This podcast contains graphic descriptions that some listeners may find disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. Now, with that being said, welcome to the Mortal Musings podcast. Right, let's do this. Why do you say it like that? What, properly? Tongue. Yeah, I'll say it properly. Say it. Tongue. Tongue. No, it's fucking tongue. Why is it tongue? Where's your tongue from? <laughs> tongue. So I've always said it. And no one's ever had an issue with it until you. I don't have an issue with how you pronounce it, but it bothers Enough me. Enough to bring it up on the fucking podcast. You tell you why. Because you will criticise how someone else says something, but you will never accept that you say something. You will argue that that's correct. It is. Like, I'll pronounce stuff wrong, Yeah. Yeah. But I'm not trying to claim I'm right and you're wrong. But you'll be like, no, tongue, it's tongue. It is tongue. Tongue. Why is it? It's tongue. Why is it tongue? Who says? Um, anyone who can speak the English language. But I'm English. Yeah, that's the shocking part. Do you like hearing about ridiculous and bizarre true crime stories from all around the globe? World's Dumbest Criminals is a podcast devoted entirely to that. We have con men, lottery fraudsters and guys who are wanted for murder calling the cops about their fries being lukewarm. Dine and dashes, costumed arsonists and incels who stalk lesbians in an effort to play their music to them. We've got perverts of every variety, including Swiss cheese, zucchini, train gropers, public monkey spankers and face-licking local city council members. Let's not forget about the fast food drive-through tantrums, fake abductions, and amateur rappers who try to attack their rivals but end up firebombing the wrong house. If hearing about these kinds of antics sounds enticing, be sure to check out World's Dumbest Criminals podcast. It's available everywhere you get your podcasts and several clown-infested, dilapidated shacks on the outskirts of town. Right, agree to disagree. Mm-hmm. What what we uh, what we doing today? Right today, and it better be a uh, good one because that one last week was a bit rough for me. Well, I'm not going to make it easy for you. This one's a bit rough, but it's um. There's a little bit of a debate in it. It's a controversial case. Okay? Okay. Are you sure you want me to be discussing this? We can absolutely have a discussion as long as you're respectful okay. and considerate from so your point me, of view. Just let me uh, stretch away. Right. All set? You good? Yep. You settled? I think so. Yeah. Yep. yep. So today we are going to get into the story of Jody Plachet. Who's she? He. Who's he? I've, he, never, I've never heard of him. You're, you're going to hear about him, okay? Okay. So we'll jump right in. Jodie Plachet was born on the 27th of April in 1972, and his parents were Gary and June, and he also had three siblings, two brothers and a sister. The family lived in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and when Jodie was about 10 years old, he and his brothers started attending Hapkido, I think it's pronounced. It's what? a it's a hybrid Korean martial arts. 
ha- Hapkido, I think. I think um, it's pronounced. Um, yeah, look. No, I think I can't no, quite remember. No, I do, I do. But <laughs> did you say it's got a P in it? H A P K I D O. Oh, I don't think I've heard of that one. Well, nothing with a P. Well, if I'm pronouncing it wrong, I'm I'm sorry. That's I'm that's how it's spelt. I, okay, you know. But yeah, hybrid Korean martial arts. Okay. His instructor was an ex-Marine named Jeff Doucette. Now, while under Jeff's leadership, the boys had a daily workout regime consisting of 100 push-ups, 300 sit-ups, as well as a five-mile run. And I wanted to ask you about that because I'm a a lazy sack of shit and I don't really move much. But Uh, when you were a teenager, you were extremely active. Yeah, so... So, uh, what was it? 300 sit-ups? 300 sit-ups, 100 push-ups and a five-mile run. And he is 10 years old. Does that sound like a that's lot to you? No, that's that's very extreme for a 10-year-old. Is it? And yeah. that, that's daily workout regime. You know what I mean? Like when... Because when, I, I take it this is why the other day you asked me... Yes. ...about sit-ups I was doing. Yeah, because I have no fucking notion what's an appropriate yeah, amount but if I was or doing, realistic. But if I was doing a thousand a day, mm-hmm. that would be... I would have been at least 16. Yeah. Uh, and obviously it wasn't a thousand in one go. It it was a thousand in a day. I would probably do. Yeah, like somewhat like morning time, maybe midday and then before bed type of thing. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, because I really don't know. I and mean, Me and you have had this conversation before, you know, specifically to do with you and your lifestyle as a teenager and how active you were. Like, I don't know, but it seems like something that would do damage to your body whilst developing that extreme yeah. level. Like, well, I, I don't know when it comes to body weight exercises, but like, definitely not weight training at yeah. ten years old. Um, I don't, I don't know when it comes to. So I don't think it'd do damage. I think it's unnecessary because how fast your metabolism is at ten years old, mm-hmm. like. You're burning off a lot of calories there. Yeah. 300 sit-ups a day, 100 push-ups. Was it pull-ups? 100 push-ups, 300 sit-ups, and a five-mile run. See, 100 run. push-ups. Right. So I didn't even I didn't even think of that. 100 push-ups? Mm-hmm. Like, the average 20-year-old wouldn't be able to do that. I can't even do one. I would... No joke, <laughs> I would struggle to do one i'm not taking the piss yeah the the average 20 year old man would mm. not be able to do 100 mm. that's that's insane well it said daily workout regime maybe it was broken up but yeah that's what it was listed as and i want to get your opinion because you have a much it's better idea insane okay my opinion right so jeff would also bring the boys to different tournaments uh, all the way from long beach to miami Jody even went on to win a trophy at the Fort Worth Pro-Am, which is a national karate meet. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. I, there you go. <laughs> learn some. It's good to learn, isn't it? And it was said that the kids and their parents that mattered, that he had trained, loved him. Okay. Thought he was great. Uh, and I have a few quotes here um, that was said about him and, you know, the good he did for them. Yeah. 
So the first one is, you wouldn't believe what this has done for my children, especially the youngest who was a slow learner. His balance was unbelievably off. He couldn't throw a punch without falling down and his coordination was not very good. Now he jumps rope like a boxer, he's got good balance and he remembers things when he couldn't before. Okay. One of his students also told a newspaper about him. We learned discipline. He also stated, we have better manners. We look up to Jeff a lot. He tells us to treat adults with respect, so we do. He tells us not to fight with our parents. He's our best friend. And Jody himself was quoted as saying, he's all of our best friend. Now, unfortunately... I don't like where this is going. Jeff's good guy image was just a facade. Yeah. He was no good. So, for a little background on Jeff, he was born in 1959 in Port Arthur, Texas, and he came from a low-income household, and he was also one of seven children. His parents owned a service station, and his upbringing was described as being, quote, raised on the wrong side of the tracks. You know, a bit like yourself, Neil. What's that supposed to mean? What? What's that supposed to mean? He'd also stated that he... No, no, no. Don't <laughs> fucking... No, no, no. You're not... No, 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 no. That's, that's not happening. What, yeah. what are you trying to say? That you're a wrongin. Why, why am I a wrongin? Well... I mean, look at this gorgeous, beautiful area that I am from. Stunning, isn't it? Dublin. No wonder I turned out the way I did. Flawless. No comment. Like, I'll get into trouble. Just, just fucking carry on. We'll, we'll discuss this at length later. Yeah. <laughs> I literally wrote that in the notes, by the way. I bet you fucking did. A bit like yourself. <laughs> right, so just to um, take a turn, you know. Jeff had also stated that he had been abused during his childhood. Oh, God. No, no, I'm not, I'm not getting into detail. It's just that was something that he'd also said, you know? So, back up to him teaching the kids martial arts. While working as an instructor, Jeff seemed to focus a lot of his attention on Jody. Um. Yeah, no good. There's one instance where Jeff offered to teach Jody how to drive. And, you know, look, Jody's 10. He's going to be bad about it. Yeah. You'd fucking love to do it. Yeah. So Jeff sat Jody on his lap and he rested his hands on Jody's legs. Mm. Yeah. Later on, Jody would say about this, quote, I'm thinking, what's going on here? Maybe it's an accident. Yeah. So I didn't say anything, but now I know he was testing the boundaries. Yeah. And uh, it is what they do. So like jo- Jody said, you know, he, he's testing the boundaries. He's seeing just how far he can push his luck. And sadly, this was just the start of the abuse that Jody suffered at the hands of Jeff Doucette. How big is the trigger warning here? We're not going to go into a huge amount of detail. Okay. Um, Jody himself uh, talks about that later on. Um, I'll I'll bring it up further down the line. But yeah, don't worry, it's not too bad. In February 1984, 
Jeff called by the Plache family home to pick up Jody. He told June, Jody's mother, that he was taking him out with him for a short while. And and you have to remember here, they all like Jeff, they all trust him. It was yeah. just Jeff. It's you know, it's not quite as wait what? Yeah. You know. Also at this point, Jody's parents were separated and it was something that Jeff seemed to use to his advantage. He was coming in, he was being helpful, caring, you know. Yeah. The reality of the situation was that Jeff had planned to kidnap Jody. And he did. Jeff travelled to California with Jody. Fucking hell. Yeah. Once in California, Jeff checked Jody and himself into a motel in Anaheim and he would molest and rape Jody there. He had also shaved his beard, along with dyeing Jody's blonde hair to black so he could try and pass Jody off as his son. While staying there, Jeff allowed Jody to call his mother June, and when she answered the phone, she played long so the police could listen in and trace the call. Okay. Now, like I said, they, they were able to trace the call, and soon they were there to rescue Jody from the situation. And, you know, thank God for that. Yeah. Jody was flown home. And Jeff was charged with aggravated kidnapping. That's it. Mm-hmm. But there might have been more charges later on, but I'm guessing it was literally right. We can get him on this now. Okay. You know. So when Jody talked about this years later, he said, "I think one of the things people really don't understand is why I didn't tell. One, I was ten. Two, what was happening? I knew would upset my parents." Three, at the time, I didn't want to get him in trouble. It was easier for me to keep quiet and shut up than upset everyone. I didn't want to get him in trouble. Yeah, like it's it's Fucking devastating hell. to hear, but he's 10, like he said. Yeah, yeah. He didn't want to upset everyone, and you know. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but he's just being honest. And how many kids, or adults even, have been in that situation and they don't know who to turn to, what to say? Yeah, yeah. Now... Obviously, this whole ordeal was devastating, not just for Jody, but his parents. They were horrified. Friends said it was the first time they'd seen Jody's father without a smile on his face. I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine, like, if, if something happened to my son. You want to do your best to protect your child. And when someone's took advantage of... The situation, they've acted like they're there for you, they're taking care of you and your family and they just used it to get their twisted way. Yeah. It's it's a hard, hard thing to accept. I'd, I'd probably be doing life. Um, you know, I've always said it, if, if someone did anything to you as yeah. well. So, on the 16th of March, 1984, Jody's father, Gary was at the Cotton Club bar having a drink. Only a few seats away from him sat an executive for WBRZ, a local news station. Gary overheard them discussing the imminent arrival of Jeff Doucette. The executive said, quote, I think he's coming in tonight. After a quick phone call, he confirmed, yep, he's coming in at 9.08. Once Gary heard this, that was it. He took off. He went straight to the airport. While in the airport, Gary waited. He was reported to have gotten a coffee, followed by a drink at the bar, 
and then proceeded pacing the lobby. Gary then went to the payphone, where he called a friend of his. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, Jeff's plane had landed and he was being walked through the airport. Gary said over the phone, here it comes, you're about to hear a shot. As Jeff Doucette was being walked through the airport, escorted by officers, Gary drew his 38 revolver that he'd hidden in his boot, spun around from the payphone and fired a shot at Jeff, hitting him in the head. Jeff dropped to the ground and police quickly grabbed Gary and pinned him against the wall. Now, one of the officers actually knew Gary and said to him, why Gary? And he replied, if somebody did it to your kid, you'd do it too. It's, <clears throat> it like, I can't disagree with it because what I said before. Yeah. I said before, like, so obviously if you don't know how you're going to react until it happens. But what did I say? I, you know, if something was to happen to you or if we had children and something was to happen to one of our kids, my, na- how can I say I won't say my natural instincts, my... Your, your um, first reaction. Yeah, my, my initial thought is I'd fucking kill him. Yeah. So I can't judge him for, for what he did. Well, Jeff Desset was brought to the hospital, but he died the following day. What makes all of this more intense is that all of this was caught on camera. There's all these news crews there set up, ready to capture the footage of Jeff Doucette arriving back in Baton Rouge to face his charges. Yeah. And it's still out there, you know. There's still the footage of it online. I think I might have seen it. In in the footage of it, Gary can be seen in a striped top, a white hat and sunglasses. After this happened, Jody's mother was the one who broke the news to him. She told him, quote, last night, daddy shot Jeff. Years later, Jody would say, I didn't want him dead. I just wanted him to stop. And, you know, it was something that Jody really struggled with. He broke down in tears after receiving the news. Oh, yeah, because now he's lost his dad. Pretty much. He said he couldn't stop watching the footage either. It was, you know, almost as if it wasn't real, which... I mean, it would be an extremely surreal feeling, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, as for Gary, he was charged with second-degree murder, but he would then go for a plea deal. He pleaded no contest to manslaughter. The defence argued that Gary had been in a temporary psychotic state due to the emotional strain the abuse of his son had put him under. As a result, Gary was sentenced to seven years suspended sentence, five years probation, as well as 300 hours of community service. So Gary never actually served any prison time. The judge didn't feel it was necessary to send Gary to prison. He didn't believe that Gary was actually a danger to the public and therefore why should he be locked up? Um, maybe not, but... Like, I know this is an extreme, you know, it was, it was a a man who sexually assaulted and raped his son. Yeah. But he's shown he's got that side to him. What if someone cut him up on the road? 
Uh, what if someone broke into his house? What if someone crashed into his car? It's yeah. Like, uh, no, I, I get what you're saying. Um, and obviously we'll have a little bit of debate about this. And I think me and you have a similar view, but slightly different. Yeah. So I think that brings up the argument of how people view the prison system. You know, do you look at prison as a form of punishment? You know, or do you believe it should be used as a service to rehabilitate people? 50-50. I, I look at it as rehabilitation or, you know, in the case of the worst, the worst who they've said, I don't give a fuck, I'll do it again. Then it's just a security for the aspect for the public. Yeah. But overall, I think it should be used as we need to rehabilitate people. Yeah. I mean, and this is, it's a very interesting case because it is controversial some people were very much on Gary's side, uh, you know, which I can understand. His child is being abused. I can't even fathom how I'd feel if I was in that situation. Yeah. On the other hand, by not handing down a harsher sentence, are we opening the door for people to take justice into their own hands? Yeah. And like you going back to that, you know, how you look at the prison system, Mm. the punishment is is already there for the average person. They don't get to see the family every day. They don't get to go outside every day. They, mm-hmm. That so there's automatically there's going to be punishment. Yeah, well, I mean, like I said about um, taking justice into your own hands, I think it's a, an extremely scary position for society to be in. You know, we we've seen a hell of a lot of that coming back in more recent times, and it's very rare that it's a positive outcome from taking justice into your own hands. Yeah. So as for Jody, I mentioned earlier that once Jody received the news of Jeff's murder, he broke down. He struggled with what had happened and he found it incredibly difficult to forgive his dad. Yeah. And the thing is, we all kind of have that knee-jerk reaction that, oh, well, Jeff was bad and Gary just wanted to protect his child. I know this case is different. Gary didn't serve any actual time in prison, but majority of the time that's not going to happen. And how can you be there for your child and protect them if you were to have been locked away? Yeah. Your child needs you more than ever after having gone through something so traumatic. You're just going to kind of cause further trauma for your child. Yeah. You know? Yeah, because you've actually said to me before in the past, you you said, because of how I've reacted to stuff like this, you, you said if something was happened to you, mm-hmm. you don't think you'd tell me. Yeah, because I know you'd go off the deep end. It's it's not like a, oh, you know. Which makes me feel bad. You feel you can't tell me. That's what I mean. I don't mean it in a way to make you feel bad. It's just, I it, it'd be almost trying to protect you from yourself. Do you get what I mean? Hmm. Hmm. Do you want to say it or lie? Well, Agree to disagree? <laughs> well, no, I was just going to say, <clears throat> I'm the protector. You, you you shouldn't need to think about protecting me, yeah, even but, uh, if it's clear, for myself. Yeah, clearly I have to, if you're going to go off fucking, you know, baiting the shite out of people and what have you. So Gary actually passed away in 2014. But before he did, Jody was able to forgive his father. He said, I was able to work through it and eventually accept my dad back into my life. And we kind of just went back to normal. He also said, 
It's not right to take someone's life. But when someone's that bad a person, it doesn't bother you so much in the long run. So, you know, with all that said, let's let's talk a little bit about Jody's life afterwards. Mm-hmm. Jody attended Louisiana State University, and while there, he got his bachelor's degree in general studies with minors in psychology, speech communication, and philosophy. While at LSU, he served on the board for Men Against Violence. Jody also worked as a sexual assault counselor for seven years. Fair folks to him. I know. Um, something that he had said was that most of the people there where he was working as a counsellor didn't know his situation, what he'd been through, which you know must have been really refreshing for him. Yeah. It wasn't constantly referring back to it. Um, something else Jody has done, he wrote a book about his experience and it's titled Why Gary Why? in reference to what yeah. the officer said to his father. And he said the following about writing his book. I wanted to give victims hope. I wanted to give parents knowledge and I wanted outsiders to get a general understanding about sexual violence and sexual abuse. He also said, It is what it is. I've embraced who I am and what I've gone through. That's why I wrote the book. Again, it's not about me or what daddy did. It's about educating and helping other people. I mean, fair play to him. He, like, he is amazing. It's really, it's really wonderful to be able to hear someone who's gone through that and been like, it is what it is, but look what I'm going to do because of it. Yeah. yeah. Do you know, right, so this is like obviously a completely different situation. But you know when we were talking about Ed Gein, it's a horrifically grotesque case. The only positive we got out of it is how it's inspired art thereafter. Do you get what I'm saying? And Jody had such a horrific experience, but he's not only recovered I mean, I don't want to say recovered. I'm sure he probably still deals with trauma from it. Yeah. But he, like he said, he's wrote a book. He's been a counsellor. Something else he said about the book is something you brought up earlier about how bad of a trigger warning do we need for this episode. And like I said, I won't go into too much detail about it. Jody also said that about his book. His mother kind of asked him, why don't you kind of go into more detail about it? And he kind of said, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to... There's no need. I don't want to traumatise people, but then the other side of the argument, which I don't think maybe everyone would think about, because I was like, that's a good point. I don't want this to make it, I don't want to make it appealing to a paedophile to read. And I was like, fuck me, like, didn't even think of it. And and that's what he said about educating people who haven't experienced it. Yeah. You know, fair play to him. And that's the story of... Jody Plachet. Would you like an oddity to uh, move away? Well, before we do the oddity, did he continue with his karate? <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> I don't know. No, that is something what kept popping into my head. Did he continue with his karate? Maybe, or maybe he was like, fuck not. <laughs> no <laughs> Right, we need a good one. Need another funny one. This one's not funny. It's kind of shocking. It's not like really graphic detail. Okay. I heard and I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Okay. Have you ever heard of Sandra Anderson and Eagle? And Eagle? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. So there was this woman called Sandra Anderson. And I guess she, that. And she had a dog named Eagle. Right? Okay. An eagle was a cadaver-sniffing dog. What did it find? (laughs) 
Everything. <laughs> Eagle was brilliant. Okay. They'd been featured on Unsolved Mysteries. They traveled to Panama and Bosnia to look for victims. Uh, they were also called in to help after the 9-11 attacks. Okay. They were top of the game. Yeah. Okay. Was. Yeah, but Eagle has passed since. Someone had said of Eagle that if a really good cadaver dog is a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10, then Eagle was like a fucking 20. Right? Really? So, yeah, Eagle was running the game. Okay. Now, unfortunately, Sandra actually ended up in a bit of legal trouble. Do you know what she'd been doing? Planting shit? Uh-huh. Oh, really? She had been faking the results. Okay. Sandra had been planting bones during searches. She also used her own body fluids to stain a blade as well as some fabrics that were found. How what fucking bones was she using? I don't know, but like, isn't that... That's intense. That, when I heard, I was like, I'm sorry, what? Say it again. <laughs> like, what? She was arrested and would later plead guilty to obstruction of justice and falsifying evidence. Now, um, how's that grab you? Huh? So what did she get? I don't know. Marvin this, Gary? This, this, is, this is, this is, well, yeah. <laughs> This is this is an oddity. It's just a quick kind of. Have you heard of this? Yeah. But I was just like, ah, uh, what? I'm sorry, what? Yeah. Do you think that's cr- like, like you said, where's she getting that bone from? Yeah. What's going on? There you go. There's an oddity for that's something for you to think about and go, what? Yeah, I might, I might actually look into, look into, that, into one. that one. Yeah. There you go. Add to the list along with the baby cages from last week. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for that. Thank you so much for listening. Find us on Patreon, TikTok, Facebook and Instagram. If you have a case suggestion or maybe even your own story, email us at mortalmusingspodcast at gmail.com. 